Welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program about the innovators, idealists, and entrepreneurs who thrive and die in the high-stakes world of building a startup company. We explore the cookbooks, guidebooks, and magic beans needed to grow your business. So let's get going. Listening to the Market Dominance Guys with your host, Chris Beal of Connect and Sell and Corey Frank of Uncommon Pro. Rocky, the Karate Kid, the Average Joes, Rudy, underdogs, we sure love them. They are the people who use their grit combined with their well-coached and newly acquired skills to make waves, cause the odds makers fits, and run up the score. When you get funded by a VC and finally have the green light to release the Kraken and launch your own vaunted sales machine, there's a real temptation to run up the bill on the countless tools available in the sales and marketing stack and forget the meager sales stack from whence you came. You'll think, hey, stand back. I have capital and I'm not afraid to use it. Magic beans to make my phone ring? I'll take it. A love potion to make my prospects swoon into a demo? Yes, please. A virtual dancing Elvis to get folks to download my white paper? Sure, why not? You can spend the GDP of a small Caribbean country playing this game and feeling like you also have the perfect millennial-friendly office, the best cold brew, the ideal dress code and PTO policy. But the most sophisticated and successful stack and culture in the world can be had right now if you simply have a tight message that works combined with a mechanism to talk to hundreds of thousands of people a year and doing it with a small enough team of sincere and empathetic salespeople. But is it realistic? In this episode, I asked Chris if something like this only exists in a Petri dish in the lab, or can it really be seen in the wide open plains of the wild? Welcome to the Market Dominance Guys in this week's episode entitled, Mr. Miyagi and the Theory of Market Dominance. This is what's so weird. There's this huge leap. This is why I think it's so interesting. Okay, I have a strategy. My strategy consists of making a list. That's my strategy, right? I make a list. I claim that hypothetically that that list is self-referencing. If one of them buys, the others are more likely to buy. I don't have evidence of that yet. It's a claim I'm making to myself. It's like any other scientific experiment. I make a claim. I got to set up the experiment. So I set up the experiment by making the list of companies, and I set up my sub-experiment by saying, oh, yes, and I'm going to try to talk to, the, to these people in these companies. I hypothesize that they're important to this process, and that I could start with them. Now what? Right? It's really interesting. Now what? I can yeah. advertise to them, but that doesn't give me any feedback other than the like, some of them will come. I can advertise another way. What if they're searching? I can buy some AdWords, and right? I can do that and some of them will come to me. I can email them, and some of them will come to me. 
But what I'm trying to do is to, to, is to drive discovery conversation, in which I find out from that individual whether they will take the risk of advancing the discussion to the next step. So now I've got to call the sheep from the goats. The sheep are the socializers who will always take a discussion to the next step because that's what they do. And the goats are the ones who are going to go, I ain't going there unless I see personal advantage. And the personal advantage must first disinclude the risk. So the risk comes from you lying to me because you know more than me. <laughs> so therefore, the thing that must happen is a discovery conversation in which, by and large, as the potential buyer exits that conversation, they've now placed significant trust in that particular seller, whether or not they're going to buy now. So you're conditioning the market through sincerity applied at discovery. Your mathematical problem, however, isn't discovery because you can't get them into discovery. People are busy and they don't spend their time doing this. So now you have to go, oh, here's my bottleneck. My bottleneck is right above discovery, which is yes. right above the top of my funnel. So now I have a new trust problem, which is how do I get somebody to take a meeting, a discovery meeting? Oh, well, the answer to that turns out to be in the oddest place that nobody ever thought to look, which is the first seven seconds of a cold call. So that's what's so interesting about all of this is you take what is going on in the big, the big world, right? So what happened to capitalism? It's really interesting. What happened to capitalism is all the machines became free and you can rent them. So the role of capital in society has completely changed. Capital is no longer an interesting question with regard to expansion of your business. It used to be core. To buy the second cotton gin, I had to spend the same as I did on the first cotton gin. I've got to know that there's enough demand out there. So that's probably pretty easy. But mainly, I have to have the capital. Without the capital, I can't do it. My gross profit flow from my sales is what's going to create the capital because at some point, accumulated capital drains off. So to make a sustainable business, the capitalist formula was get a machine, make a thing, whatever the thing is that the that people need or you know, companies need or whatever, have a sales force out there, channel, we call it, and have the gross profit flow come back and make sure the inventory is disposed of or else my prices will collapse. Yes. Right? That's the old formula. That's the formula I was taught in school, in high school. I remember taking a class on whatever they called it, economics, right? And they showed me these supply-demand curves and how capital worked. And in 1972, when I took that class, I remember raising my hand saying, Mr. Kittredge, that model is obsolete. And he said, how could this model be obsolete? This is, this is how our society works. And I said, that model is obsolete. And I told him this in 72. I said, because the math says that the cost of making new products is going to go down. The cost of making the machines that make products is going to go down. And the yeah. driver for that is the thing I just learned how to do over the last four years, which is to build software. Mm -hmm. When, when, the experts say software is eating the world. Everybody gets this wrong and they go, oh, software is eating the world. That means we're going to use more software products. It's not true at all. Software is essential to the making of all things that we use, including software. It's irrelevant that we use software, that we sell software. Consumers use it as irrelevant. That doesn't make any difference. It makes making things cheaper and cheaper because it's software that ultimately robotizes the economy. 
it robotizes for certain jobs, like writing something down on a piece of paper, handing it to somebody, sending them memo. Remember we used to have typing pools, the typing pools all went away. These are huge, huge, huge numbers of employees who did things that are now done by software. Software drives costs, incremental costs of making new products, new products. The copy of a product is so cheap now we don't even think about it, right? Back in the day, the copy of the product counted. The classic P&L meant something. Cost of goods was the cost of my inputs and the cost of the labor to make the thing. The yeah. cost of the labor has gone down because of software. The cost of the goods has gone down because of somebody else's software. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it ripples through the economy. So now we're left with the only thing that counts as markets. The only thing that counts as markets. And the biggest change is you can't buy them anymore. You used to be able to buy markets. And now you can't buy them because you're competing with money. And money is more liquid than your damn corporation. This is why the first seven seconds of a cold call are the essence of executing corporate strategy. And the message that goes in the next 27 seconds is the most likely point where you're going to fail. And the processor, the machine that's in scarce supply, is the sincere salesperson. Mm -hmm. And that's the new economy. That's why I want to write this book. That's what this book is about. It's not about salespeople getting better. The reason that we're doing this company is we've stumbled upon the mechanism for tearing the lid off the top of the funnel. We actually don't think that solves the problem. We think that's today's problem. Today's problem is getting a flow of discovery meetings. Tomorrow's problem is holding great discovery meetings that condition the market in your favor for dominance. Is the natural progression of connect and sell, right, from a one-dimensional product company that performs a service that's advantageous to the market, you've repositioned the messaging, the big idea to what connect and sell really is, then it seems like this natural offshoot is that there is a going to be um, a shortage of sincere salespeople, then um, that is going to be yet another industry of all types of sales training, or maybe even instead of a typing pool, I have a sincere salesperson's pool. Yes. yes. Right. And which is the, it's kind of the natural trend line for great. Hey, I love it. I agree with you. I want to dominate my market. I don't have the right recruiters. I don't have the right people to hire these people. Um, you're giving me the screenplays to say, but I don't have the Stella Adlers to coach and put me on stage and slap me around to get me there. How do you get me there? Exactly. Exactly. How do you hire the right people who have the right characteristics inside of them? So how people are raised becomes really important. What kinds of places can you go that have filtered for sincerity? So we have a company in Northern California we work with called 511 Enterprises. And what they do is they hire graduates out of Simpson College and Bethel University or College, whatever it's called. So their strategy, their their purpose was to provide jobs for people that were like themselves. That is, people whose spiritual inclinations were such that they went to a school whose purpose was to allow them to conduct a spiritual life professionally somehow, right? So that's a sincerity filter. Because that's, those schools don't attract 
insincere people by and large, and they filtered them out along the way through their program. Not in, that's not their primary intention. It's a side effect of how they run, right? <laughs> it's a core to their mission, but not core to their practice. The, yeah. the filter. So you, you get these folks who are coming out of these schools who love the area, it turns out. So you have a reason to aggregate them. They, they like the Mount Shasta area. They like Reading. There's not a lot of jobs there for these kinds of people anyway. What are the jobs going to be, right? It's kind of interesting. So they could go to work in the medical field, perhaps, or something like that. There are always jobs there. But what if they could learn sales? And then what if we could amp them up by a factor of 10? So this phrase is a little bit funny, and it sounds, it sounds um, flip, but it's not. It's actually very sincere, which is, we work with 511 Enterprise to provide packaged sincerity on steroids. Mm-hmm. So they package the sincerity in the form of a salesperson training and a place to sit, yeah. great yep. support that is support that's appropriate to a sincere person. Yeah. And then we amp them up by a factor of 10. We turn each one into 10 people. And then we manage them against the standard sins drift right? And drift is all about seeking comfort in place of performance. So the coaching is very simple, but it's still rigorous coaching. We have to listen carefully and, you know, they have to be held to a high standard. But interestingly, the high standard is a standard of sincerity and precision. Not what you normally do with salespeople. Normally with a salesperson, you say, give me somebody with some good sales DNA, a good track record and a Rolodex, and here's your territory, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the capitalist approach, which is no longer relevant, not because there's anything wrong with capitalism. It's just burned out because you don't need the capital anymore. (laughs) We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and Sell allows your sales reps to talk to more decision makers in 90 minutes than they would in a week or more of conventional dialing. Your reps can finally be 100% focused on selling since all of their CRM data entry and follow-up scheduling is fully automated within Connect and Sell's powerful platform. Your team's effectiveness will skyrocket by using Connect and Sell's teleprompter capability as they'll know exactly what to say during critical conversations. Visit connectandsell.com. And we're back with Corey and Chris. So what you need is you need a pace of taking a market and you need the insurance policy of knowing you're going to dominate it. As soon as you know you're going to dominate one market, you have capital. Oddly enough, it frees up resources to now go after another market. If all this stuff comes together in this interesting way, that's what's going to be kind of hard about this book, but I think is exciting. So I'm going to deliver this to people now in the simple form, right? But it's still the whole thing. Starting from... Here's the change that you are seeing out there. The change is it's hard to buy companies now to execute strategy. Mm-hmm. You can put a strategy down on a piece of paper, but there's a new sheriff in town called private equity. And he doesn't want you to have his company that he wants to buy, and he's going to bid it up. And by the way, his job's simpler than yours. Mm-hmm. You've got to integrate. He doesn't have to integrate. So he's going to, oh, you're going to get an overpriced product, and it's going to have higher risk. So, Okay. How do I stay in business? 
Because dominating markets is not a matter of desire. It's a matter of necessity. If you don't dominate one, you will always go out of business. Mathematically, you will always go out of business. Why? Because someone else will come along and dominate all of the markets that you're playing in. One will dominate one, one will dominate another. You're playing in five markets. You're thinking, I get 16% share, 22% share, 5% share, 9% share, and 18, you know, I'm doing so good, right? And you're counting dollars. Dollars are coming in. You're looking at gross profits. Gross profits are good, right? You're looking at your growth rate. Oh, I'm doing okay in this one. I'm growing 20%. In this one, I'm growing 6%. But mathematically, what's going to happen is if you're in five markets, one, two, three, four, up to five companies are going to come in eventually and dominate that market through a simple program of talking to everybody. Yes, right. And, and today they, they talk with everybody. If, if in lieu of connect and sell or a tool like that, they're going to do it by um, using social media to dominate the conversation, whoever has the, the, the greatest noise. Which can't is be done. Because it's noise. It can't be done. Yeah. Um, but this is a lot like Occam's razor theory of markets, because you're going to the simplest path that not the most obvious path for so many folks is where does truly the consumer um, have this catalyst, this initial big bang or spark of being introduced to your company of potentially step one, verse one, chapter one of your company is in that first seven seconds. It's not way back in the origin story of the product. It's not in the R and D meetings. It's not in the marketing or the logo or anything like that. Right. It really is this Occam about, about what's standing right in front of you. And that's, that's very disconcerting. I would imagine for the traditional market understanding. It's very disconcerting for a marketing person, a product marketing person, an R&D person. Um, hell, it may even be disconcerting for this, the salesperson here, um, right? Because wait, that, that's, you're putting a lot of, of I, I thought my job was just to make my, make my nuts and, and then yeah. maybe get a good firm handshake. And now you're telling me that the company's survival, it's very survival. It's binary. It's either you dominate or you're dead. I didn't. I don't like this binary world. I like this gray world instead. And that's what you're. Um, what we're talking about here. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's. It, that's what's so interesting. The shift happened really fast, and we. So we have a, a front row seat at Connect and Sell that no one else has. We get to watch companies actually doing it, and they won't talk about it, but we get to watch it. That was my dream with you guys at Stormwind. If we had done that step by step and stuck together, you know, and, and hadn't had the, that moment of doubt that Tom had that ended up in kind of going away and coming back. And if we had just said, let's reduce that top of funnel force by 70% and let's change their comp so that sincerity is going to be in play 100% of the time. Let's do the whole thing, right? Would have simply eaten that market whole. Nobody would have been able to stand up. Yeah. Yeah. And it would have been simple step-by-step step, and it would have taken approximately three years to full domination and it would have taken approximately 18 months to certainty. And at certainty, mm-hmm. could have said, you know what? We could be worth four times as much if we demonstrate we can dominate a second market. So let's do that because we know how to make products like that, right? That was, I mean, how hard was it to make a new product? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. nothing. Okay. But dominating market, very hard. Having shown you can dominate one, if we dominated one together, 
we would have been able to easily identify another. You already had like nine of them in your head. Just pick one, make a list, take the best, the best four people. And in four weeks, we wouldn't just have knowledge, we would have had the beginning of dominance. And we take that dominant cycle down from three years, down to maybe two years, but the time to certainty would have gone down to six months. And with the time to certainty on six months, that's the turns on your capital. That's what's changed. The financial equation has changed. The turns on your capital, when do I get all my capital back, right? Yeah. It depends on only, your capital is now market domination. It's, it's markets. That's what my capital is, not money anymore. So yeah. what's the turn? Well, the turn starts at three years because that's the replacement cycle for products. For all products, it starts at three years. Your time to certainty, when you look at the math, is you're at about 85, 90% certainty at, if, if you're following your dominance plan and the numbers are working, right? If that's all happening, then at 18 months, halfway through that cycle, you're sure that you're going to dominate that market. You're only at about 18 to 20% of market share, but it doesn't make any difference because you've talked to everybody. You've conditioned the market in your favor already. Mm-hmm. So now you're just, it's a clean, it's a mopping up action. Yeah. So you're foolish to spend management attention on a mopping up action. Management attention should go where net new value is being created. And net new value is created in the next market. So I've got customers doing this. And we can't put them in the book by name because they won't agree. But is doing this right now in the market. And no one will ever be able to compete with them. And no one knows it's happening. And they're very secretive. They hired a new guy. He comes in and he's, he's got a great background. He's been inside sales, all this stuff. And he says to his boss, we got to go talk about this. He says, if you ever breathe one word of what we're doing with Connect and Sell, you will be fired. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, oh, <laughs> oh. And then he comes to me and he says, what should our stack be? I said, you have the most sophisticated stack in the world right now. You have a message that works. You have people who talk to 300,000 people a year, 11 of them. You've won. What you need to do is pick another market. Don't worry about your damn stack. And so we fought over this for quite a while, for quite a while, and you know, like three months, right? And he's going, but I need this. I need this. I need this. I need this. Like, dude, you know, he says, yes, I get that it's working, but it could be working better. Said it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference. If I'm going to win every fight, does it make any difference if I win in the first round, the second round, or the third round, if I win every single one? Yeah, yeah. Who cares, right? I'm going to be undefeated. So the competition's going to wake up one morning and realize that they, they can't catch up. Game over. Game over. Yeah. They've talked to everybody, and they don't even sell to them. Yeah. Their strategy is this. It's literally their strategy. Talk to everybody. Mm. That's the strategy. Mm. And they simply talk to everybody. So they don't push it. They just talk to everybody. They kill their numbers. They, they're, you know, everybody talks about companies with business plans. How are they doing? These guys literally blow their plan out of the water every quarter. And yet they don't try to sell the product. They just talk to everybody. Oh, that's awesome. You've been listening to Market Dominance Guys Radio, sponsored by Connect and Sell, right here in the Funnel Radio Channel for at-work listeners like you. Today's show is also brought to you by UncommonPro.com. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer or investor is one of the hardest jobs in business. 
So when it's really time to go big, you need an uncommon methodology to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. Through a modern and innovative sales and scripting tool set, we offer a guiding hand to ambitious leaders in their quest to reach market dominance. It's time to get uncommon with uncommonpro.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. Subscribe.